0: You can always catch up on Mike's teaching on our website at ccmit.org. We're currently going through the book of Luke in a series titled The Uncommon Gospel. So grab your Bible, turn up the volume, and follow along with us. Here's Pastor Mike.
1: Welcome to Calvary Chapel. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 26. In verse 17, it says, now it happened on a certain day when he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So Mark tells us that he was in Capernaum. Matthew says his own city, and this kind of gives us the clue that Jesus set up his base there in Capernaum. News was getting out. No doubt because the leper, you know, in Jerusalem, you know, a leper shows up to be, cle- you know, I've been cleansed, you know, I need that, that ritual, yeah, that keyed them off. And it says that all these teachers and scribes, these are the teachers of the law, the scribes, they were the ones who taught in the synagogues on the Sabbath days. The Pharisees also taught in the synagogues sometimes on the, on the Sabbath days, which is more of a political party. A lot of the scribes probably were Pharisees. And they come to investigate. They come to check out Jesus, what's going on here. He's not approved by our schools. He's not approved by our synagogues. And so of every town of Galilee, every town of Judea and Jerusalem, and he says he has power to heal them. Now, he's not talking, and when you look at the Greek, it's actually not speaking of he had power to heal just those guys. It kind of seems that way in the English, but the idea is he had power to heal others. That's kind of the idea. It just doesn't read right in the English. But of the people who were coming to be healed, these teachers, these scribes and these Pharisees, honestly, they're the ones who needed it the most to be healed of their religion, to be healed of their old ideas. In verse 18, it says, Then behold, men brought on a bed, a man who was paralyzed, who, who they sought to bring in and lay before him, Jesus. And when they could not find how they might bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling in the midst before Jesus. Here's some folks who have a friend who can't come to Jesus. And they make a way. I mean, they go out of the way. And I don't know how they do this. I mean, sometimes even in my house, and I've lived there for years, eight years, I think now, I'm upstairs and I'm thinking, okay, what room am I above? You ever think that like when you're upstairs and you're like what room am I above? Okay, uh, you have to orient yourself. Well, they're they're astute enough. They see where Jesus is in the house through the crowd and they're like, "Okay, if we break the tile right now, we can right here we can drop him right in Jesus's lap." Pretty amazing. But I ju- I just think about this in terms of people I bring to Jesus because I bring people to Jesus all the time, right? You know, we get a prayer request and that person's sick or that person has COVID or or this is going on in their life or this person that I I love, my friend or family member that doesn't know Jesus, and I bring them to Jesus. I'm like, Jesus, please save that person or Jesus, please heal that person. But as I was reading this, it kind of convicted me because I don't know that I break through the ceiling and break through the roof and actually bring that person with intensity into Jesus's hands. Jesus, you need to save this person, please. And yet we know that when we pray and when we seek God's face for these types of things, that God acts. I remember hearing a story of Edwin Orr who had a friend who said, hey, we need to pray for these five friends of ours that aren't saved. And so him and Edwin started to pray earnestly for the salvation of these five friends. And they saw one at a time, these four of them get saved one of the guys on his deathbed, his friend on his deathbed, said, "You know that, that fifth friend isn't saved yet." And he says, "Well, I'll covenant to continue to pray even after you're gone if he doesn't get saved before you die." And of course, the friend died, and they go to his funeral, and Edwin preached the funeral, and that friend got saved at the funeral. You know, I think sometimes we, we just don't realize that people that we need to covenant in prayer to bring somebody to the Lord. And history proves that when someone will stand in the gap and care about another person, care about another city, care about another nation even, and pray and obey that God somehow works. I don't understand that. It doesn't seem like God needs me to pray for him to act, but somehow when people pray, God does. And I don't know if God was planning to do it. He put it on your heart to pray so that he could or so that he would, so that you know that you prayed and that happened. I don't know. I don't understand all those paradoxes. But what I do know is that when I pray, I see God's hand in my life, and when I don't, I don't. And it's it's just that simple. God tells us to care. And in, in, in fact, in Ezekiel chapter twenty-two, verse thirty, it says this. And and you have to understand the context of this. This was Judea, who was getting ready, or Judah rather, this the country of Judah that was getting ready to be carried away captive to Babylon. They were going to be punished for their sin, the sin of Manasseh and, and the sin of the kings that had done wickedly before the Lord. And this is what the Lord tells Ezekiel. He says, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. God was waiting for somebody to step up and to humble themselves and pray. And doesn't, isn't that what God told the, the nation of Israel, that if the people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, that I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And yet I think so often we're not willing to bring even one of our friends before Jesus like these guys were. These were some good friends. You have to understand. Verse 20 says, When he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus saw their faith. The faith of his friends? Certainly. The faith of the man? It doesn't tell us if he had faith at all. Maybe it was him and their friends, and maybe it was just his friends. But they brought him to Jesus, they dropped him before Jesus, and either way, God can work with faith, no matter the source. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? And in Nazareth, he couldn't do many mighty works because they didn't believe, because of their unbelief. I think someday we're going to be amazed at the limitations we place on God. Something that really bothered Brother Andrew when he was at the WEC School of Evangelism in Glasgow, Scotland, he would notice that as students, they'd get together and they'd pray for a need and they would earnestly pray and they would, they would just cry out to God and say, God, please do this, do this. And, and they'd pray for hours about something and, and maybe they'd be praying for 10 blankets and they'd only get seven. And he was like, how is this what the scripture says about asking you shall receive? Or if you pray according to my will, you'll have it. Where does that, where does that work? You know." And so he went on this walk and he, he walked down to really a dangerous part of town. I don't know why. But he, he walked down to the area of Patrick and he was just agonizing over this question. And, and as he came back to the school, he noticed from the, the angle that he was coming into the school, he looked up and he saw the sign that says, have faith in God. And, and he, he realized at that moment in his own heart that what he was having faith in was their prayer. He was having faith in the fact that they were praying really hard and that God's going to answer because they prayed real hard. And he realized, wait a minute, I need to really think about this. I shouldn't be putting faith in our prayer, but faith in God. And so I can be able to give my request to God and then leave it there with him. And rest in the fact that God knows He. We've told Him, we've prayed earnestly that, and, and and now we can just rest and let just watch what God does. And and that changed everything for Brother Andrew. Instead of agonizing in prayer and trying to think that He's going to work up His faith, He just instead had faith. I've said it, God heard it. It's His now, and He's going to do it. Changed everything. He takes care of the man's greatest need first. He says, your sins are forgiven you. It's it's very likely that this was chief on this man's heart. I know it was chief on my heart when I got saved. That was why I came to Jesus, because I knew my sin was weighing heavy on my heart. And maybe that's what this man was laying there thinking, I don't deserve to be here. Maybe he was like, Peter, I don't deserve to be here. I'm a sinful person. It, It might have even been sin that caused him to be paralyzed. Now, obviously, you know, you can be paralyzed and not according, not because of your sin, but maybe he did something that caused him to be paralyzed that was his own fault. Like maybe he was driving his chariot drunk, got in an accident, broke his back. Maybe he was doing drugs. And I I looked it up. They actually had drugs. It was a huge opium problem and a few other things that people took back in those days. And there were addicts. Maybe that's what happened. He got a bad mushroom or something contracted a venereal disease, syphilis or something like that can cause paralysis. Or in a blind rage, caused a fight and and got in a brawl and got his back broken. I don't know. I mean, it's, it doesn't do any good to speculate, but sometimes we're in the state we're in because of sin. And so Jesus takes care of that first. He, he, he takes care of the man's most important problem first. I, I know he did for me. Because if he doesn't do that first, then nothing else really is that helpful honestly I mean he can heal us of cancer but if he doesn't heal us of our sin he can heal us of uh, a paraly- uh, being paralyzed but if he doesn't heal us of our sin then what good is it
0: thanks again for listening to Abide in Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes if you would like a copy of today's sermon in its entirety call us at 208-365-0991 or send us a text at 208 991